According to Vieira, he had a human life with the name Zephyrus. When he worked intensely to assist victims of a war in that place. Later, when in the extra-physical dimension, those assisted recognized the concierges who helped them and kept calling him by the same name. Episode 16 with Mabel Telles. Welcome to the Multidimensional Evolution Podcast with me, Kim McCall. The premise underpinning discussions on this podcast is that life extends beyond the physical dimension, that death is not the end of life, that we are all connected energetically with each other, both in the physical dimension and across dimensions, and that there is a purpose to our life that involves growth, healing, and assistance to each other. We will be having conversations to expand your consciousness, help you reconnect with your essential self, and live life as an integrated, multidimensional human being. But given the subject matters, a request. Don't believe in anything, including what is shared here. Experiment, have your own experiences, and always use discernment. The musical introduction to this episode is by Finnish fusion artist Axel Tesla. This song is called Reincarnation. My guest today is Mabel Teles, who spoke with me from her home in Iguazu Falls, Brazil. I really am so excited about being able to bring you today's conversation because I consider the topics we discuss to truly be at the leading edge of consciousness research. By that I mean that these are not understandings or ideas you find articulated and explored often. Our discussion is centered on Mabel's latest book, which is called Zephyrus, the Intermissive Para-Identity of Valdivieira. This book uses the multi-existential history of the consciousness who last manifested as Dr. Valdivieira as a kind of case study to help us better understand the relationships we develop across lifetimes and also across successive intermissive periods between lives. It made me think a lot about my relationship with my extra-physical helpers and my evolutionary colleagues in this life and also helped me expand my focus to consider my evolutionary or possibly anti-evolutionary endeavors in the extra-physical dimensions between lifetimes, rather than just focus on the physical incarnations. At the center of this discussion is Valdiviera, and as not everybody listening will be familiar with him, I thought I'd do a bit of an intro. Valdiviera was born in 1932 in Monte Carmelo, Brazil. At a fairly young age, he moved to Uberaba, which is mentioned in the conversation, and started becoming a medium in the Brazilian spiritualist movement, something we touch on in our conversation as well. Professionally, he became a dentist, medical doctor, and plastic surgeon. But he's best known for his legacy as a prolific researcher of consciousness, 
as well as the founder of a number of consciousness research organizations dedicated to the study and development of conscienciology, a discipline he also essentially coined and developed. Among his many publications in the field are two substantial treaties. The first, Project Theology, a panorama of experiences of the consciousness outside the human body, must be the most comprehensive volume on every aspect of out-of-body exploration produced to date. The second is his 700 Conscienciology Experiments, where he takes the understandings that the out-of-body experience gives us about consciousness and creates a whole philosophical and ethical structure around it. And you can find both of these books as free downloads online. Valde left his physical body for the last time in 2015. That a person with his kind of productive output has worked their way up makes a lot of sense. He didn't just come into this life and create all of this out of nothing. And in Zephyrus, Mabel Tellis sets out many of the steps that this consciousness took across millennia to prepare for the most recent life. Mabel herself is a teacher, a specialist in the didactics of higher education, and has an academic background in communications. Most relevant to our conversation, she has been a student and teacher of Conscienciology for a long time, having taught classes and workshops since 1994 in Brazil, the US and Europe. She previously wrote the book Prophylaxis Against Consciential Manipulation, and importantly she spent most of her time involved with Conscienciology working closely with Valdiviera. This opened the opportunity to interview him extensively for the book Zephyrus. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. So Mabel, it is such a pleasure to speak to you again after such a long time. You know, we met in 1997, I think it was. Wow, it's yeah. a long time. Yes, it is. it's a pleasure for me to keep. And I'm really, I'm really excited about introducing all the ideas that you've written about in your book Zephyrus to okay. perhaps, uh, uh, perhaps a, a new audience. Okay. Um, okay, it's a pleasure for me too, and I, I'd like to thank the opportunity to talk about this subject here with you. Yeah. And look, before we um, get into the subject, could you just tell us a bit about, um, you know, just your own background in this field and, mm -hmm. and also then what gave you the idea to research this particular topic of the para identity? Okay, I've been working on parapsychism and conscientiology for about 27 years. Yeah. I met the Institute, the Projectology Institute, in 1993. And since, since there, I've been working on it. So in 2000, 2003, uh, I was living in Rio de Janeiro, but I, I decided and we decided with my husband to move to Foz do Iguaçu to get closer uh, to Valdo Vieira who is the proposer 
of the sciences, contentiology and projectology. And I, I wanted at that time to be here in Foz do Iguaçu, near CIAC. CIAC is a big institute here. It's the, the, center, the Center for Higher Studies of Contentiology, I think it's called, isn't it? Yes, sure. And then I, I would like to, to be here. And since then, I moved to Foz do Iguaçu and I've been working on it. If When Valdo was alive, uh, we used to, to be together almost every day. And now that he, he's gone, we continue here studying, practicing, and exercising all the principles and tasks in potentiology. That's what we do here, and that's what I am interested in. And the invitation to work on this project, the Zephyrus project, came to me in 2011 through a friend, a friend who calls Paulo André. Paulo André, at that time, was interested in getting historical material about Vieira. And one of the teams possible at that time was to study Zephyrus, that is, Vieira's para identity, or the way he's known in extra-physical dimensions. His, his, then Paulo name, André, his, name, his name in the extra-physical dimensions is Zephyrus. Yes, yeah. as a kind of a para-nickname. Yeah. And then Paulo André invited me to assume the, the leadership of the, the research. And that's how everything started. And then to write this book, I held about 19 interviews with Vieira between 2011 and 2002, resulting in 41 hours of recordings. And Vieira's retrocognition is the main source of data for this research. So his and memories, course, his, his own memories of his past lives and his, and his intermissive periods. Yes, that, yes, that's it. It's natural to be like that since we are talking about him in this book. So Vieira's retro, retrocognition and the remember the memory of his past life was very, very important to to base, you know, to the foundation of this book. That's it. Yeah, okay. Well, and maybe um, for people who don't know that much about Valdo Vieira, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, well, it's well known that he's written extensive books on um, out-of-body experiences and consciousness and the evolution of consciousness. Um, but one of the things I found really interesting in reading the Zephyrus book was to find out a bit more about his his beginnings in this lifetime, I guess, to enter into this multidimensional mm -hmm. learning. And in particular, his um, collaboration with uh, Chico Xavier in writing a lot of um, psycho, psychographic books, so books that were channeled. Yeah. Um, maybe you could talk, can you talk a bit about that? And Yes, I, I, I think I can. Actually, Valdo, and he was parapsychic since childhood. And he worked with the medium Chico Xavier in the spiritism movement for about 10 years. They started to work together in 1955. 
And since the beginning, the meeting of Vieira and Chico showed signs of being very successful, especially when they discovered they both received message from the same spirit. And the, the extra physical consciousness, Carlos Chagas, who was a doctor here in Brazil, no? Mm. And but this spirit, Carlos Chagas, used it to sign psychographic text in the name André Luiz. André Luiz is very known here in Brazil as well. So Vieira and Xavier received many messages from this consciousness, and they published together about 18 books, all of them psychographic and most of them signed by André Luiz. Mm. But in 1966, Vieira left the Spiritist movement, where he worked with Xavier, and he moved to Rio de Janeiro. And he left the movement because since he started working with Xavier, he made it clear that he would be in Spiritism for a specific period of time because he had different prospects of his life. So you he already knew, he, he already had that vision for his life, that that was just a temporary yes. stretch. Yes, yeah. since 14 years old, he knew what he would like to do in this life. So, you know, Spiritism is focused on consolation tasks, and Valdo wanted to work with clarification tasks. His would you, would you, would you mind briefly, sorry, Mabel, but could you just briefly explain, yes, okay, okay. explain the difference between the consolation task and the clarification task? Yes, consolation, you don't explain, you don't help things to understand how evolution uh, works. You just consolate, you know? And yep. when you do a clarification task, you, you teach, you explain, and people can do it by himself, by themselves, herself, by themselves. themselves. Yeah, 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 themselves. So the consolation so task, the consolation task, you're, you're consoling a person. You're making them, you know, take a, explain to them there's life after death, for example, so they don't feel so sad about losing a, a child or a parent. Perfect, perfect. But but you don't go to the next step, maybe around how to apply yeah. things in your life. Yeah. 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 So the goal on life uh, was to do research. He wanted to do research. And there was no space for that in spiritism. So that's why he left. And after this, he started to work on the Tertiz Projectology, which was launched in 1986. Until now, this work is considered the most completed triatized unconscious projections and after our our discussion here or talk here we're going to see why he wrote these three ties well in 1988 he founded the international institute of projectology there is a non-profit organization which the main goal is to investigate and teach on topics related to conscious research in 1994, he published 700 contentiology experiments when he proposed officially the conscientiology science. In 1995, 
he founded another institute, institution, the CIAC here in Foz do Iguaçu that we have already mentioned. Yeah. And he moved to the city in 2000, where he lived until his death in 2015. So Valdo stayed here for about uh, 15 years, working every day on parapsychic mm. issues and contentiological issues. That's what he did in the spirit of his life. Yeah, and it is, it is, it really is a remarkable achievement because I, I remember um, visiting the CIAC, the Center for Higher Studies of Consciousness, uh, in 1997 when there was, mm -hmm. I think, two buildings. Um, yeah. And uh, maybe there was, they just built some accommodation. And then I came back in 2013, and it was it was incredible. The incredible, had right? Transformed, yeah, into into such a hub of uh, of learning and and consciousness exploration. So and now it's is much better. <laughs> See, yeah. you have we have a hotel here, and we have twenty five institutions, different ones working together in different areas areas of contentiology it's amazing the work people do here yeah yeah um uh, one thing that struck me in in learning more about Valdo's life was um his uh his two major he had a he had a major car accident that uh, could have killed him uh, from what i understand mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and and also very young, he had a heart attack. Um, yeah. And I thought that was quite remarkable in a way to for someone who was so focused, you know, to have those quite traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. Is is there any um, any as you understand or as he understands any evolutionary relevance of having those experiences in his life? Oh, yes, uh, probably after the car accident in 1970, if I'm not wrong, he received his biggest maximal access. You know, the merit to receive an extra time of life was probably due to the work he was doing at that time. So, so maybe just to explain a maximal access, uh, Mabel? Yeah. Rob, ah, you, you want to explain? You yeah, I can explain. Yep. So, so the, isn't the, it an extra time a person receive in a life from uh, a evolved helper to continue his work? In actually, probably this person wouldn't need to live more because the existential program was okay, was done. But as this person was, uh, let me, let's say, working well and helping people, uh, the helpers give him an extra time of life. Mm. And probably was what happened with Vieira in 1970. When he had this car accident, he could, be, he could die because it was very hard, this accident. Yeah. But he he was alive and yeah. he could live more. And due to the work he was doing at that time, probably. 
So he had already completed, he had already completed, in in one sense, he had already completed everything he had originally signed up for. And he got an extra, an extra. Yes, an extra, an extra extra time. Yeah, and this car accident was, I think, the price, let's say, the toll he had to pay to complete a specific task he was doing. Uh, when a person receives a kind of attack like that, that he received in that accident, when he almost died uh, and be able to survive, he gets stronger. I mean, with more moral authority towards the intrusions, the obsessors. I think that's what happened with Vieira in that situation. You yeah. know? Yeah. I don't know if it's clear what I said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a real it's it's I mean it's like a, a real reset. Um Yeah, it's a his, reset, yes. To his life. And uh uh I, I mean I don't know, but I can imagine it also really changes your perspective on he, he sounds like he was always a very focused person, but I can imagine that mm-hmm. would give you even more focus um experience like that. More <laughs> if that's but possible. You, you have- <laughs> Yes, but we have to think that at that time, 1917, uh, he was starting to work on the triatized projectology. Yeah. yeah. So it was a new step of his life. I think so. Yeah. And, um, and then what about the heart attack that he had, I think, in his 20s, eh? Yes, at that time it was a, a little bit different. I think it's because he was working a lot, working, 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 and then he had this heart attack. But I don't think it was a, a real maximum is like the, mm. car, the car accident, you know? That's, that's my opinion. King. Yeah, yeah. But at that time in the heart attack, I think it was a kind of burnout, take stress or things like that, you know? Yeah. I mean, it sounds like from what he said in 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 your book, um, it made him review how he approached life, and he really focused a lot more on creating yeah. balance in his life. So yes. it's more like more like in, a wake up call, maybe. It's wake up, yes. And in in, in that situation, a uh, uh, spirit, a uh, conscience, named Euripides Barsanufo, uh, appeared to him out of the body and, and, and alert him about what he was doing with his life. And he, he, he shouldn't do like that. He shouldn't work like that. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, he would die early, you know? So he, he received a kind of help yeah. from the helpers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so we've talked about Valdo so far, but... Really, what we want to talk about is who Valdo is or was. Um, well, he, he continues to be that other identity, Zephyrus, so his para-identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've already touched a little bit about the para-identity as our, as our extra-physical nickname. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe, yeah, if you could just ex- explain a bit how do we develop... A little bit. How do we develop yeah. a power identity, you know, across, we have these cycles of living a physical life and then having an intermissive period in the extra physical life. And somewhere along the way, we develop this power identity. Um, yeah. So how, does yeah. That, how does that happen? 
first, I think we have to explain the concept uh, deeper you know, of para-identity. Yeah. A para-identity or a para-nickname results from working as a self-aware consciousness in favor of others along evolution. So the accumulation of existential services increase the popularity of the consciousness among those assisted, generating spontaneously among them a para-identity or a para-nickname capable of identifying the consciousness. That's what para-identity is. Mm. So the para-identity is not created by the person, by the assisted ones, but by the assisted ones who identify the consciousness as the one who assisted them throughout their lives including some cases, the extra-physical periods. And in some cases, the para-identity or the paranic name is the same that the extra-physical consciousness had in some past intra-physical life. Thus, the assisted tend to identify the assistant with the same name as the retro-life in which the inter-assistential processes were more intense. This is the case studied in the book Zephyrus. Mm. According to Vieira, he had a human life with the name Zephyrus when he worked intensely to assist victims of a war in that place. Later, when in the extra-physical dimension, those assisted recognized the concierges who helped them and kept calling him by the same name. That's how the, the para-identity Zephyrus was born. So uh, we can see that a para-identity develops across rhizomas depending on the level and scope of assistance a specific consciousness does. It's something like a doctor in a small city, for instance, who helps everybody in the area in his lifetime. And probably he will become known to everyone there in that city. After his desoma, the assisted will recognize him in the extra physical dimension and say, oh, hey, look, it's Dr. X, and yeah. so on. Yeah. And if, if this doctor continues helping in extra physical dimension, his part identity will settle down. Imagine if it happens across the somas and risomas. So I think that's how my part identity is born and works. Something like this, you know? Kim? Yeah. I mean, I can imagine as you were talking, I can imagine that there's a lot of people who um, connected, connected with Valdo in this life who might, for them, the identity might stay Valdo, right? They might keep calling him Valdo Vieira. Um, and that, yes, sure. So it could become sure. and evolve into a new para identity. So the, the, the question is who is stronger, Zephyrus or Nalvaldo? Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll see. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. But uh, uh, another thing that we can think is that we, we, I mean, intermissivists, Probably non-Zephyrus, new Zephyrus in extra physical dimension. 
And now when we we solve Aldo, probably we could remember something, you know? Yes. Uh, it's, yes. it's interesting to think about this, the, the continuous, the consecutive Absolutely. lives, including... Absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to yes, say the, the Zephyrus, uh, sorry, the intermissivist uh, concept that you mentioned, just to just for people to understand um, that it refers to uh, people who've during the period before this last life were doing some preparation, specifically preparing to work in this field now around consensiology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Yeah, so as intermissivists, as you say, we might have well had meetings with with Zephyrus. But it's important to say, uh, Kim, the impact of our consecutive lives in general, no? Yes. And in, in the particular case of Zephyr, to to understand if if we, if we catch the case, the Zephyrus case or the Zephyrus example we can probably understand ourselves and understand the other situations. So in this case, uh, Zephyr is an example for us to understand uh, better this kind of of situation. Absolutely. I I found just reading the book, um, it really made me think a lot about my relationships, you know, in between lifetimes and across lifetimes and in the intermissive periods. Yeah. So, yeah and we can see, how, yes, we can, we can see how the past joins the present. Mm. You know, if we, if, we, if we understand this, we see how, how one thing in the past, what happened there, will affect what is going on here today. Yeah, Let's so see. Give, give us some examples. I, 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 will, I will give some examples. For instance, uh, we know that Vieira has been working with parapsychism and assistance since antiquity. You know, for instance, when he was alive, he, com- he told us many times about some of his previous life. For instance, he lived in the past in Africa at least three times. In one of them was in Egypt, in a period in which parapsychic phenomena uh, was something that we, we couldn't talk about. Uh, they, it was forbidden eh, to say something like that. Okay. And then in, in that situation, the name of this parapsychic phenomena was initiation. Initiation, right? Yeah, yeah. So you had to go uh, sec- secretly through these processes of, of yeah. initiation, yeah. Initiation, right. And so generally speaking, initiation consists of tests, a series of tests applied to a candidate to check if they were ready or not to of elevation, something like that. And according to Vieira, he and a friend, this friend was... Euripides Barsanufo, the same I talked. Yeah, the one that came to him after the heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. So he knows Euripides Barsanufo since there. So he and this friend succeeded in a specific test. 
in which both should project outside the body, materializing parts of the psychosoma in front of spectators present outside and far from the site. So and basically, they, was, they, sorry, just to, so, so basically, they were um, uh, in a, somewhere in a, in a room, they were all locked, locked away, and they had to, yeah. they had to essentially do what's, I think, known as bilocation, right? So that they appeared physically visible in their psychosome. Materializing, yes. Materializing parts, yes, yes, that's it. In front of so, some other people, yeah, okay. In front of, yes, that's it. As far as we know, Zephyrus in that life became a priest of Horus. You know, when able yeah. to be compared to the manifestations of the God or gods. Yeah. So the circumstance gave him authority to accumulate important political and religious functions at that time. And for Zephyrus, this experience was a kind of interassistation school. So we can see that Zephyrus started working on out-of-body experience many centuries ago. Mm. So it's easier to understand why Vieira wrote the triatized projectology. Actually, this triatized is the result of all the experiences accumulated in this subject since that time. So here we have an example to see how that test affects nowadays. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. The past. So as you basically just said, in, in that book that he's written, in, that he wrote in the 1980s, 70s and 80s. Yes. He is drawing on his own experiences from thousands of years ago in past lives. Yeah. And so this is this is an example. Yeah. But we have an, we have others. For instance, in China, do you want to, to do you want me talking about something like China? Yeah, that would be great. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Because another important life of him was in China when he was the Chinese philosopher Zizi. The grandson of Confucius. I don't know if you, you yeah. say this in English. No, that's Confucius, yeah. yeah. Yes, Confucius, you're right. And Zizi wrote the book Medium Philosophy. And in that case, in that life, Zizi depended, I you know, worked a lot on moral, creating what, at morality, that time they found morality. Yeah. Morality, that's it creating at that time the foundations of what we today call cosmoetic. Cosmoetic. This yeah. Yes, this concept cosmoetic was proposed by Vieira. And as we see, it didn't happen off the blue. Mm. The foundation, the basis were in China. Mm. So again, we see something that happened there in the past but affected his life today. So, yeah, there's a, a, real, a real maturation of ideas and concepts and the way they're expressed across lifetimes from what, I, from yes. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah uh, another thing that I, I think we, we have to say about it is the friendship. The friends 
we had in the past and probably are, are, are our helpers today because it happens as well. Well, like you described, you know uh, his, his friend in Egypt who then came to, and warned him after his yeah. heart attack in this lifetime, eh? Yeah. yeah. And we have another case here in Zephyru, uh, in China as well, because uh, there he knew a, a person who was a disciple of Confucius and worked with Zizi. There was a guy there working with Zizi. And this guy became his helper. The name of this helper was Enumerador. Mm -hmm. Enumerador was a Vieira's helper since his youth in Uberaba. And he lived with Zephyrus in several human existence, including as a twin. And having many hetero lives in China, this helper uh, tend to present himself, himself with Chinese para appearance, like a Mandarin. So we see that Vieira knew enumerador in China as a ziz, as uh, acting like a zizi. And now in his uh, previous life with Vieira, he was his helper. I don't know if it's clear. If it's not clear, you can explain. Yeah. So, so when when Zephyrus had the life in China as Zizi, the, mm -hmm. the, the the consciousness known as Enumerador was his friend. Yeah. Is yeah. That right. A phys intraphysical yeah, friend. Intraphysical friend. Yeah. And and in this lifetime, he was now. his extra physical helper from childhood. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's a, he was a numerador, a very, very close helper. Yeah. You know, a numerador was always with him, I can say something like this. Always. All the work Val Vieira did, uh, a numerador was there. So they are very, very close. So we can see that interconscientious affinities are very important in the evolution process yeah. you know it's very important this well it really it really made me think you know reading those passages about um my relationship with with my helpers and to want to understand our power history better um because i think that's space uh, you know, for where a lot of us, there's quite a disconnection. Like we don't really know who who are these helpers, um, mm -hmm. and, and then there's a lot of people where they become, you know, the helpers become kind of even more distant, like angels or something like that, where it feels like there's something completely different. But really, mm. reading these stories, you get the sense they are, you know, they are really our evolutionary friends, colleagues, um, people we're really close to. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's probably our helpers today, and we're gonna be helpers uh, in the future, you know, to our friends. So yeah. because the connection, eh, we have to have rapport, connection with people to help them yeah. and to be helpers. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting uh, to think about it. The relationship is very important in our process. Exactly, and and that's I'd like to that that's perfect because I'd like to switch the focus around now to rather than looking at 
Zephyrus's helpers. Um, mm-hmm. When he, there are some inter- really interesting stories that you describe where he was during the extraphysical period helping some significant intraphysical consciousnesses like Emmanuel Swedenborg and Honoré de Balzac. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you could talk a bit about that, and I really, I really liked that story of how he appeared to Emmanuel Swedenborg and how that became completely misinterpreted. So if you could explain that to people, that would be lovely. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think I can explain something about the this interdimensional communication that because that's what Zephyros did a lot. Uh, first of all, it's important to say that um, his previous intermissive period before the life as Vieira lasted about 200 years. 200 years as an extraphysical consciousness. And it's important to say that he was lucid, aware during this period as an extraphysical consciousness. Because there are consciousnesses who remain this amount of time, this amount of time or more in extra physical dimension, but they are not lucid, mm. and it's not the case of Zephyrus. Well, during so this period, he could learn, he could study and research different things, and one ability that he could practice a lot during this time was the interdimensional communication. It wasn't a new task for him since he has been working with parapsychics since antiquity. But during this long period, he had time to practice a lot. And it's important to say that Zephyrus has always been interested in the process of dimension. I mean, how anyone in the extra-physical dimension can contact a consign and vice yeah, versa. Exactly. I was going to ask you, so what, is, what, what are some of the challenges of uh, an extra-physical consciousness contacting someone in the intraphysical dimension? What, what are some of the yeah. things that make it difficult? It, it, it's not easy because uh, we are not open or we are not always open to receive the, the message or to feel the contact, you know, Sometimes here in intraphysical, we are very open, we are very focused on, on our daily activities, and we don't pay attention on that. So it's not easy for them to contact us. We, we have to, to be more open, to pay attention on our uh, parapsychism, to understand what's going on. So it's not, it's not easy for us but it's not easy for them, you know? Yeah. That's what Zephyrus tried to do with the open mind, the conscience who had open mind for this kind of situation. It's not easy to find persons like that. Well, so Zephyrus tried to contact some conscience who were open to this kind of paraphenomena. In order to alert, to give some suggestion, suggestion, or to awaken some idle talent, for example, and some of these people are public personalities, like you said, Swedenborg, Honoré de Balzac, and Chico Xavier, for example. 
Now, talking about Swedenborg, uh, Zephyrus tried to contact him, materializing his psychosoma, seated in a chair in a hostel room in London, where Swedenborg was. But Swedenborg misunderstood the phenomenon and considered Zephyrus to be some divinity like Jesus or Lord. You know what happened? And then Swedenborg installed, a, 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 did a, a kind of regression to a mystical religion's approach regarding parapsychic reality. And it was a pity because he, he was unable to make the right approach to the parapsychic phenomena when he needed most. And he used it to, to research, to study paraphenomena. And he was considered the most erudite man of the time. And he was interested in multidimensionality. For example, Swedenborg was the one of the first research to describe ectoplasmic phenomena in details. And this was, in the, wrote, I think, in the 18th uh, century, right? 1700s. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, w he wrote about his lucid dreams and other phenomena he had experienced, such as clairvoyance, clairaudience. That's why Zephyrus contacted him. But when he needed most, he could uh, make uh, a correct approach to the parapsychic phenomena, and he thought Zephyr was Lord. Yeah, That's what God. happened That's with him. Yeah. yeah, a kind of God or Jesus or something like this. So it, it wasn't a successful contact. But we have another one that was very successful with Balzac, you know, Red Balzac. So he's the, a French, a the, French author. Yes, the French author. Um, Zephyr tried to contact him in order to, let's say, explain to him multidimensionality. So that's the reason Zephyr tried to contact him. And the results of the communication with him was very productive since Balzac wrote later the novel Louis Lambert, where he describes the out-of-body experience he had sponsored by Zephyrus. So Balzac doesn't say in the book, I mean, he doesn't refer to Zephyrus, but he describes the out-of-body experience. And it happened in 19th century. A century Three later, when Balzac was in an extra-physical dimension and Vieira was already born, they switched the positions. And Balzac, as a concierge, proposed to Vieira to receive, to receive parapsychographically the novel Christ Waits for You. So here we can see that friendship are perpetuated over time regardless the dimension in which consciousness are acting. So they switched the position and Balzac wrote through Vieira. 
I think this 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 case is very very interesting. It's amazing to understand how it works, how this, this kind of situation happens. I think it's very interesting, this case of Balzac. So it was a different communication eh, that the Zephyrus did when he was in extra-physical animation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the, with the Balzac case, it's also good to add that um, the book, uh, Christ Waits for You, that um, Vieira psychographed, you know, channeled in a sense, was was analysed by a literary specialist to assess how it corresponds with Honoré de Balzac's writing when he was yeah. alive. And um, yeah. essentially the, the assessment was that it was very hard to imagine it was not written by him. There were so many parallels in the style and, and expressions and so yeah. on. That's true, that's true. Uh, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard book to read. It's very hard. It's very, uh, let's say, uh, you have to to understand all the the situation. What's very interesting this this book, Christ mm. waits for you. Um, the other thing you mentioned, Chico Xavier before, as someone Chico who Xavier. as someone who uh, Zephyr was communicated with before he was born. So yes, before he true. became Valdo, so he had like a double relationship with uh, Chico, by the sounds of it. Yeah. So eh, that's true. Vieira, before Vieira was born, as a concierge, Zephyrus psychographed message to Chico Xavier, uh, trying to help and encourage him in a difficult period of his life. But it's important to say, he, King, that Chico and Zephyrus have known each other for a long time. In fact, in a previous life in Spain, Chico was the consigne Zephyrus' mother. So they have a deep affinity. But following the extraphysical orientation, Chico burned all the message he received. We don't know exactly why the helpers gave this orientation. But we can guess it wouldn't be interesting for the work in Spiritism since Chico was the center. And I guess Kim, things should keep this way. You know, Chico should be at the center and Zephyr uh, shouldn't be unknown. So Vieira never described it in details the content of those messages. I asked him many times, but he avoided to give details about it. So I don't know what, what yeah, was it's, there. It's interesting because it, it made me, um, uh, the, the, the concept of burning, you know, something that's essentially a, potentially of, of, of great interest um, really struck me, you know, as, as a in sort of contrast with, the with well Valdo Zephyrus's expression in this life of collecting, you know, of making public, of yes. having everything. Yes. So there seemed like a real contrast, but uh, I can see what you're suggesting that it might have, um, if those messages had become somehow an intraphysical focus for people, it might have distracted the, yes. the, bal the balance. <laughs> Yes, yes, and I think that the, the Chico's existential program 
wants to be the epicenter of the spiritism and not Zephyrus. Yeah. Yes, so Invaldo was working with him, uh, worked with him uh, after. So it, it, I think he, it would be a problem if people knew that Zephyrus was or is Zephyrus. Where that Valdo is Zephyrus, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and it's, that actually, that actually is 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 a thing I'd like to. So when I was in Brazil and studying with you know with working with you and studying under Valdo there in, in Rio in the nineties, I don't remember this ever being discussed, or at least in the in the in the sessions or things that I attended. Um, this idea of a power identity and Zephyrus, and uh, it makes a lot of sense for me now because I, I, I was thinking. I remember thinking, you know, when I first read Project Theology, and there were these examples of Honoré de Balzac and Swedenborg, and I thought it's kind of obscure. You know, why picking those people from history? Surely there are other people from history. You know, that you that have similar stories. But obviously now I understand. There is a context because it was actually a personal relationship that uh, that Baldo yes. had. Yes. But, um, but when did that become? Uh, do you know when he recalled his his all of this these details? And when was that something that became sort of a discussion point in the conscienciology? <clears throat> yeah. Community. He he knew he knew he was there since he was um, a youth. Uh, uh, adolescent, you know, okay, he yeah. knew about it. He knew about it, but he couldn't say anything about it just because he was in the spiritist uh, movement. So he didn't talk. Uh, he didn't show who he was, and he the first time he talked about it. He talked about Zephyrus. Was here in Foz do Iguaçu uh, around uh, 2008, 2009, something like this, okay. when he wrote he wrote uh, the I don't know the name in, in English Verbeti, the Encyclopedia in Trance. Entry, yes, yeah, uh, encyclopedic, encyclopedic entry. Yep. Yes, the Sankopita entry, the, name, the title was Power Identity. He wrote something like this okay. to the encyclopedia. And that he, it was the first time he mentioned he was Zephyrus. And that's when we opened our eyes and thought, wow, now we can understand many things. Yeah, because if Valdo is this concierge, now we can understand why... He worked on spiritism movement. Why he has such uh, evolved parapsychism? Why he wrote the Triatize projectology? And so we could understand many things after we got this information. But it happened just in 2008, 2009. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it gives you a bit very different context, like a bigger picture. Yeah. It, it, it creates a bigger picture. This. this yes. This idea. Yes. 
Yes, this idea opened our minds and we could understand how this backstage works, you know, what happens there that that affects here. And Zephyr is a a piece in this role thing. I know, I don't know. It's very important to understand him because we can understand ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a like a uh, like a model, I suppose. So, yes. so in that in that context, there's something I'm curious about. What I got thinking reading reading the book, and that is that um, the the series of lives that Zephyrus have recorded, at least, um, mm-hmm. like you say, since antiquity, since ancient Egypt, and maybe beyond, even in, in, in before that, in other parts of Africa were always focused around uh, multidimensionality, assistance, uh, you know, greater parapsychic development. So there's a great continuity of of, um, development throughout all these lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, my own work and what I know from talking to other people, you know, when you work with retrocognitions and you, you piece together bits and pieces of your past lives, not not in the same detail as um, Professor Valdo did, but, you know, you, mm-hmm. get, you get bits and pieces. Um, there's a lot more variation. So, you know, I have, I have memories of past lives that were very much focused on those things, multidimensionality, assistance, learning. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then I have past lives that um, there was maybe a small piece, but... Uh, they were, you know, I was, I was intrusive. I was uh, harming people, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and some really closed off to to anything. So there seems much more like a like a mix of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's your what's your take on that? Yeah, yeah. I, I I think that's how life is. Life is like this, you know, sometimes we are okay, sometimes we can act like intruders. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't write a life uh, that he had uh, in Brazil with the name of Sebastião Caldas. And I didn't write this because he told us about this life after the book was launched. But in this life, Sebastian Caldas, he wasn't so ideal, you know? Yeah. He was a kind of, you know, um, I cannot say intruder, it's not intruder, but it's a normal one, you know? It's not like a, a, he didn't do a lot of assistance. Uh, so as we can see, the things are not uh, perfect. Uh, Correct, and it's not the, the word is not correct, but um, how can like, I say this? Tell me, tell so me. If, well, well, I'm not sure if that's what you wanted to say, but for me, what comes to mind is linear, you know, like straight, yes, linear, yes, that's yeah. the, the word, it's not linear, of course. The, the, the evolution is not linear, uh, so sometimes we do things good things, and sometimes not, but I thinking there is no. King, there is no benefit on not being ideal, 
or do not focus on a systems. Uh, as far as we know, the evolution process occurs through assistance, but unfortunately, that's not what always happens. Not what, not always we are focused on assistance. Uh, due to due to our evolutionary level, we make mistakes, and sometimes we even act like intruders, harming others. Sometimes, yeah, there is no benefit on it. But life is like this. Evolution is like this. Uh, I think it, what we can do is to learn with our mistakes, trying not to repeat them. That's that's. I think that's what we can do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, I guess I, I you know I, I like to think that that is why. I suppose I you know I'm not saying that we should go out and be like I'm not setting out right now to be in, be an intruder. But when I try and make sense of lives where I was. I mm-hmm. I like to think that I was learning something in that, you know, learning something from causing the pain and the pain that I was experiencing and realizing the, the repercussions that, that flow from those kinds of I, I think I think you were you were right because I think we we learn with our mistakes. But on the other hand, we don't need to make mistakes anymore. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's what happens. It's what happens, but we don't need it anymore. Probably, if we are more lucid, uh, we're gonna make less mistakes, and it will be easier for us and for others. But, but if we make mistakes, of course, we can learn with them. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it's clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. No, no. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how I think. Yeah, yeah, I think we're on the same page. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm going to jump a little bit. There's a there's a few other a couple of other things that um, mm-hmm. could just get touched on in the book. And um, okay. So there is uh, a list of uh, consciousnesses who at, at one point you talk about sort of a list of, of the main helpers that are involved. Okay. In, in you know that I think the there were people that have been uh, observed coming into the CAC at different events, and either by mm-hmm. Valda or by others. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, we don't have to go through this. There's like I think fifteen or so different um, different helpers, but there's mm-hmm. one person who I know from you know every time we talk about him in 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 workshops and so on gets a mm-hmm. lot of attention and that is the reurbanizador, the reurbanizer, mm-hmm. um, who is described as um, a consciousness at the evolutionary level of the Homo sapiens serenissimus. And maybe you mm-hmm. can explain in a minute what that is. But mm-hmm. what's the higher what, level of evolution? The essentially the highest level, right? Like people that are consciousness yeah. that are essentially at the end of coming into physical the end of the process yeah 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 um but this consciousness in 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 his last physical life uh manifested in a disabled body with the mental mental disability as well essentially Mm -hmm. require if i understand correctly essentially requiring requiring 24 hours care um Mm -hmm. and 
So the question that is often asked is why would a consciousness that is essentially at the peak of consciential health, so it's at the okay. maximum of lucidity and awareness and um, you would think could just about manifest any kind of body um, he or she wants for physical life, mm -hmm. why, mm -hmm. would they choose, why would they choose such, such a body? Okay, yes, it's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. Well, first of all, I think it's important to point that a evolved consciousness like Reubanizadora, Serenissimus, never lacks lucidity, right? As you told. Yeah. We can assume for hypothesis that a Serenissimus is aware everywhere, all the time. So for him, To be in a kind of body like that wasn't a big problem, like we guess. So yeah. that's, that's the first thing that I'd like to say. So, so the body um, did not impact the body did not impact no, his lucidity in any way. Of course not, and, and did it not impact him. Yeah, because as we see, for us is is a problem, but problem for him not. I mean, a healthy body is a problem for us, right? I mean, I have a healthy body yeah. and, and that's... So a, a body is a problem for us. Yeah. <laughs> so it, this kind of body that he had, I think that's a way to hide himself, to hide his level and his personality. I mean, nobody paid attention to him. He didn't draw attention. Besides, he was free of daily requirements. And in this situation, there is no obligation, no tasks to do, no intraphysical responsibility. So he could work outside of his body all the time. And with an intraphysical body, he had holo chakra, the energetic body. Uh, which helped him on the assistant he had to do in Baratrosphera. I mean, the less evolved dimensions. So, you know? so, some, so having, think, having these dense energies of the physical body was the reason he came into this life was so he had this, yeah. this anchor in the physical energy yes, dimension, right? Yes, his body was just a kind of anchor in our dimension. And, and for him, wasn't a problem. I think, actually, it, it was very good for him <laughs> because he was free, you know. He was outside of his body. He was not inside. So that's okay. Yeah, yeah. So he was it's, actually projected, it's, it's, projected a lot of the time or all the time maybe. A lot of, yes, yes. And, and he, draw, he didn't draw attention, nothing to do, no tasks to do, no problem, no intraphysical responsibility, responsibility. So it was okay for him. I think, of course, Kim, it's hypothesis, right? But probably something that we can understand better with this, these ideas here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to understand the Serenissimus. Here in Brazil, we say that it's a kind of mateology. Mateology is something that we can understand a little bit, but it's just a little bit, you know? Serenissimus is like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this always feels like um, there's a big, the bigger picture is missing for us, right? as to what's yes, actually yes. going on. Yeah. yeah, that's true.
But um, no, that makes, you know, for me, that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, um, I, I think it's logical. It's, lo yeah. it, it's not easy for us, but it's logical. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the other thing I was keen to talk about briefly or ask, ask you to t explain a bit more about um, okay. is the extra physical communities. So mm -hmm. I think, I think again, you know, there is a, there is a lot of um, still something we don't understand very well. And I think there's a lot of uh, abstract thinking around, well, there's the spirit yeah. world and there's the physical world. But to actually, yeah. to actually realize that a lot of these um, extra physical dimensions, they kind of have geographic relevance and they're geographically located. There's a relationship between our interphysical dimension yeah. and different extra physical communities. Yes. Um, yes. So there is a few, you mentioned in the book, you talk about Pandero, Interludio and Empatium which Empathy, is yes. over Europe. So if you could maybe just talk, say a little bit about each of those, about how their relevance, yes. their, their relevance, the kind of consciousnesses that live in them. Yeah. First of all, Pandero, right? Pandero was a temporary community or an extra physical community that existed between 1968 to 1985, something like this. Okay, so just a it temporary arrangement. Yes, it's a temporary arrangement, and it was created by Serenissimi in order to get together consciousness to discuss the reurbanization and the future of a science that we call today contentiology. As far as we know, contentiology, I mean the science and all results or consequences of the science, is a part, is a part, a small part of the reorganization process. So the mainly work of Pandeiro uh, was to conciliate different groups of consciousness for the work they would do after the Rizoma. Uh, it existed to raise the level of everyone. The helpers created Pandeiro, trying to prepare consciousness for their future Rizoma. So it was like a, like a temporary crash course in, in consciousness yes, theology, extra-physically. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and to help also the coming work of conscientiology. And Pandeiro does not exist anymore because now it's not necessary for contentiology, you know, because people were already born. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we are here. So Pandero was a temporary arrangement. doesn't exist anymore. But Interludium, no, it's different. Interludium is located above Foz de Iguaçu here in Brazil. And as far as we know is the common nexus with highest relationship with contentiology. And it was created after the foundation of CIEC in 1995. Uh, the CIEC are located in that community that what you asked. Mm. Usually visit the Cognopolis, I mean the place where CIEC is and other contentiological structures are 
in order to study and see what we do here. They want to know uh, uh, our work. They want to understand better the sciences, the principles, because probably they will uh, rebirth and work with these ideas, you know? So interludium has a, uh, how can I say, strong connection with us here in Foz do Iguaçu and yeah. with conscientiology. So this is the second one. And the third, you asked me in Passion, Actually, we don't have much information about this community. According to Vieira, uh, it was created in the beginning of 19s. And uh, it's the located... 90s, sorry, the 1990s? Or? The 1990s, sorry, yes. Yeah. And it's, lo and it's located above European continent. And of course, this community aims to help European process. But we don't have much information about it. Okay. We don't know. Uh, it's interesting because that was sort of the, the time of <clears throat> the when the Cold War ended and um, a lot of communities coming together. So mm -hmm. it's interesting that the creation um, links to that era. Ah, and there's another one that you didn't ask, but it's very important to us, and the name is Pombao. Okay. And Pombao uh, is located above London. Actually, above London. not London. No, actually, it's not London. It's a, how can I say that part of uh, South? Uh, uh, is it over? Oh, yeah, Cornwall. Cornwall. Um, Cornwall, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. in Cornwall, above Cornwall. And Pombao uh, was uh, the community that many of us uh, was there studying before we were born. Pombao has a strong connection to intermissives as well. Mm. That's a now, very, very special part of the world as well, Cornwall. It's a, it's a very special yeah. part of the, yeah, energetically. Yeah, very, energetically, that's, that's true. That's true. Uh, our evolutionary orientation orientator how can i say this oriented uh, evolutionary oriented yes he was from there the transmentor okay yeah he was in pombal yeah yeah oh good that you mentioned that. yeah that's that is important yeah that is important so that's it <laughs> yeah okay yeah no that's great thank you um Look, I think then really just to to wrap up, um, what are your thoughts on um, how we, well, do we all have a power identity? If we do, do we have any benefit of trying to identify that? Sure, sure, sure. Because if, you, if we have a power identity, uh, I mean a health, our identity, right? A healthy one. Yeah. An ethical, an ethical one. And if you can remember this, you or uh, we, we can understand better our situation today in this life. Yeah. Because the connection, we, we can make many connections like Zephyrus did 
you know? If you have an idea about it, it will be great for us. And once Vieira uh, talked, uh, commented with us that some of us has a part identity. Actually, I don't know if I had, if you had, but he knew that we had, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's important to remember this if it's possible because it'll be easy for us to account to to do what we have to do here in this existential program yeah but it's not gives, easy but it's gives, not easy gives us a lot more context right i mean it's it's yeah. kind of it's kind of like taking retrocognitions to another level that's yeah. in a way yeah, how it seems right. to me it's like like it's like finding a way of stitching all these past existences and experiences together more closely, more deeply. Perfect, perfect. It's like this. I think you were right. Yeah. You were right. But it's not easy because, because it, it happened in extra physical period when we didn't have body. So to recover these experiences is not, is not easy for us. We have to have... Uh, uh, a high parapsychism, you know, a good level of parapsychism to be able to recover all this information. It's not yeah, easy. Yeah, 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 that's true. And just one important thing you just mentioned about a healthy para identity, you know, I, I guess it means maybe some of the, the mega intruders in the world also have a, a sure, un, un, unhealthy sure. para identity, right? Yeah. That's true, because the, the, the mega intruders, uh, they have our identity, but it's not an ethical one, and this is a problem for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah. popularity yes. is not good for him. <laughs> well, you can see <laughs> you know? that it involves a big job trying to, trying to change that then eventually, you know, yes. when you get to that point. Yeah, many, probably many centuries working on it to, to switch the situation, to change the situation, you know, yeah. to change it, to switch the position from a mega intruder to a mega helper. Yeah. It's not, not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Mabel, thank you so much. I think we'll, you know, we've covered a lot of great material. Um, I really encourage uh, people to check out the book Zephyrus. It's available Okay. Um, it's available okay. on Amazon. It's available in a Kindle edition. Very easy to to get. And um, and like you said, I think it really helps us um, kind of think about our own life from a bigger picture in a perspective and in a different way. Okay. Uh, and I would like to thank you, Kim, for the invitation. Uh, it was very it was very important to to me to talk about these ideas. Because I think it can help people to understand uh, from where uh, where they are coming from and what they are doing here. If we study Zephyrus, uh, probably it helps us to understand ourselves. I think this is the point. It's not just to understand him, but it's to understand ourselves. That's at least my goal. I really hope you got some value out of today's episode. If you did, why not leave a positive review on iTunes and share it on social media to help others find it. 
The tune Seeing Us Out is another one from Axel Tesla. This one is called Akasha. You can find more information about today's guest on my website, multidimensionalevolution.com, including any links to their work and their contact details. On my website, you'll also find my blog and information and reviews about my book, Multidimensional Evolution, which you can purchase in any good bookstore if you want to show your love for this show and get practical info for your own exploration of consciousness. Finally, please get in touch, whether it is to ask questions, share experiences, or suggest guests and topics. I always love hearing from people, as I believe it is through sharing with each other that we can all grow together. Until then, or until you tune in again, I am sending you my very best energies. <laughs>